Hey, everyone. I'm Father hey, Alex. We have too much fun. Uh, this is Father David Marshall. Good to see all of you. And this is a bridge between where we bridge our knowledge of the gospel. Uh, we bridge transitions from one episode to another with some uh, music from what, the 60s or the 50s? Oh, come on. The Beatles were, that's the 60s, man. Oh, I didn't, to be honest, didn't even know it was the Beatles. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Was it, oh, it's that movie that from Ferris Bueller, right? So I don't think they heard the song and we don't have the rights to play it. So I don't so want to get not, you. Let's, let's, let's not, not it was, get it in was trouble. Twist and, it was Twist and Shout. We will go with yes. that. Yeah, which actually they stole from somebody else. It was not their, they um, they covered it. So, yeah, so it wasn't their original. But. And what else are we bridging on uh, for the uh, for this, this Sunday, the 18th of June? Um, we are bridging um, this question of who Jesus is. Who is this guy? Uh, what's he about? Uh, what motivates him? What drives him? All that type of stuff that we're, we're going to be talking about, um, about Jesus, that you've probably heard his name before. Um, and, and his name is not a swear word, right? You don't do it when you drop a wrench on your foot. Yeah. Uh, that this, this is something, it's a, it's a real guy who walked around on the planet and he, he told us a lot of things about ourselves and himself. And so we're going to be bridging some of that uh, today and probably through the rest of the summer as well. Uh, and what did we hear Jesus say last week, Alex? We heard him say last week who he came to see, who he came to save, which was not the righteous, but the sinners, so the sinner. me and you. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, in between times, the last time I've seen you, I decided to do a little more research into that word. And uh, the, the Greek dictionary is talking about it as remembering uh, that, I'm sorry, let me get the actual word. Um, for those who are not free from sin, in this sense, it means all people. Um, so those who are not free. Um, so yeah, um, so you and me, us, the we, uh, everybody listening, all of that. So we're going to pick this up still in chapter nine. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have more? No, to say? I was saying we have a great text today uh, that talks about just this. Yeah. And so we're starting at uh, continuing Matthew nine. Um, we'll start in verse 35. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them yeah. because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Mm -hmm. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Yeah. Uh, the first word in there that um, I love is the word compassion, because it really talks about that not just Jesus was moved, oh, you know, he saw something and it was kind of an emotional moment. You know, that word compassion really kind of feels like you feel it in your guts. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. um, whenever I think of Jesus walking around as a human being, we're aware of suffering in the world. But I wonder what his reaction was to seeing the level of suffering that he was encountering and how that must have just affected him, you know, in that emotional, um, very physical way. Um, and, and it goes to show that Jesus is not a robot. Um, he's a, he's a right. person that he's a human being. He's divine, but he's a human being who has this sense of being affected by other people's suffering. 
Um, and this gets to the heart or the who is of Jesus, the heart of God, is that um, there are a lot of ways you can look at a crowd. Um, and if um, for parents, for those that are grandparents, those who have been teachers, and you've got kids pressing in on you, and they're all asking for something else, and it gets kind of annoying and tedious, and you just run run away. Mm -hmm. um, when Jesus saw the crowds, now these are people with diseases and sicknesses. Um, these are the people that are not the righteous. They are not the clean and all that stuff and fresh smelling. Um, he saw them and it's not that he said, I need to get away from these people. Somebody else deal with this problem. This isn't my problem. Um, you know, y'all are sick. You need to get better. No, he had compassion. And this is who Jesus is, uh, compassion. And in his, yeah, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And the important part is, what is his reaction? Right. He doesn't just sit back. He says, well, obviously, there needs to be a reaction to this, which is what's going to happen next. What's going to happen next, right. He had disciples with him. And um, we, we skipped over the part where he was calling them. But, um, well, actually, we'll probably circle back at some point to that one. But, um but he took the people that he has uh, following him, the ones who will be setting up the structure of this new system, this new way of believing, uh, that the Episcopal Church is calling the Jesus movement. Uh, the leaders of this movement, he prepares to go out into the harvest uh, as laborers. That not only does he have compassion, but he backs it up with the people who are with him. Because Jesus can do it himself, but he then gives them the ability, the authority, the power um, to to bring healing and wholeness uh, to uh, to all of God's people. It's it's a beautiful image. Well, and, and one of the things I would say is that Jesus calls on these laborers for the harvest because he can't do it on his own. He's only got he's only got two hands and two feet. He can't yeah. be everywhere at at once. And that's like I said, he sees the extent of the suffering mm -hmm. and knows there has to be as as proportional a response as you can provide. And uh, the idea of the sheep without a shepherd, mm. that's a very dangerous place for a sheep. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen um, a duck and the ducklings? Oh, yeah. And how the ducklings follow? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've heard this translated modernly with us is uh, it's like ducklings without a mother, um, that those ducklings, they're going to be eaten quickly. Oh, yeah. You know, that they don't know how to be protected. They don't know a thing. Um, and instead of saying, well, it sucks to be them, right? Jesus is like, I'm sending the best people I have, the ones who are following me, I'm sending them out um, to be mother ducks for the ducklings to, uh, to bring them in. Well, and, you know, just to kind of go back to the sheep analogy, you know, the shepherd provides guidance, provides, you know, food, mm -hmm. and provides... Um, you know, safety. And, and those are the things that Jesus is calling us back to. And, and, you know, relating last week with this week, one of the things that we might say is that if we're not careful, we could end up with the wrong shepherd. Okay. Or we mm -hmm. could end up believing we can shepherd ourselves and that everything will be all right. And, and I see that so much in today's society of basically saying, you know, you are your own shepherd, you know, for lack of a better way of, of saying it. And as a result, we can end up in some very difficult situations that we then cannot get ourselves out of. Mm -hmm. um, he also talked about, um, last week, we talked about physician and healing and all that. Uh, the shepherd is the, um, 
is the veterinarian, uh, you know, yeah. is the doctor. Yeah. And um, there's this this image of how uh, a shepherd, and I've seen it done in um, in modern days, where they take and sheep are you know pretty large animals um, that they they hold the sheep with the hooves facing this way, yeah. and they they lay back, and then they're able to take things out of uh, the fur and that type of stuff from the sheep that could be causing them um, some sort of pain. That they're the ones that can set casts, that they can do all sorts of things to. Um, to heal and to help to, to be able to clean their mouths, to be able to make sure their teeth are um, are ready to eat, you know, all of that stuff, that that's what a shepherd does. And without them, the idea that a sheep could clean the sheep, right? Uh, they, they have hooves. They can't do the things that our fingers can. Um, and they're sheep. They probably don't want to help others uh, where the shepherd is the one who does. And so uh, the harvest is plentiful. What does that mean to you? Well, well, first of all, just before I do that, I have to have just a frivolous moment of me using your image to imagine a sheep trying to floss. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. <laughs> I sorry, that just got in my brain, and that's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, that um, wouldn't work. I don't think it would. Uh, I don't think it would. No, um, they're really bad at that. So, uh, but the yeah, harvest, really I think, is um, a really good image, and the reason I like that is that for those who get down on themselves. And say, okay, well, I'm a sinner, so, you know, I guess I'm just a, I'm terrible and there's nothing that I can do or there's nothing that I can say, which is, you know, accurate, mm -hmm. but there's no place for me then. Well, I would say, well, wait a minute. Jesus has sent people in his name mm -hmm. to go and gather you up because you're bountiful. You're, you're, you're going to be bountiful. You are a harvest. You're not something that's going to be wasted. And I think mm -hmm. this is where the church can lose its direction. If we're not careful, we see the harvest, we know it's out there, but if we're not equipped and we are not equipping people to go and get the harvest, what happens if you don't go get the harvest? It rots. Mm -hmm. You know? And so I think that every day there are people who could be lost if, if they don't ever receive that invitation, if they don't ever receive that that notice of saying somebody cares, somebody sees value in you that you may not even see in yourself. Mm -hmm. God sees the value in you. He has called you part of his harvest. Mm -hmm. And a farmer tends to uh, his or her harvest. Uh, my wife grows tomatoes, mm -hmm. and uh, tomatoes take a particular amount of work, mm -hmm. uh, especially in this climate, that uh, you have to trim, you have to make sure these other leaves that aren't there, because if they grow those leaves, you won't grow tomatoes. I don't quite understand that. Um, but she has to spray it with this particular stuff um, to, to make sure it's all clean. Um, she's asking me to rotate it, to change the soil, all that type of stuff. That um, And then eventually we get these tomatoes that we turn into salsa, and it's super good. Um, but that is another way that we can view who Jesus is, uh, to be the farmer of us, that God is... Um, is tending and caring for each one of us. And although we look like we are uh, harassed and helpless, as we are without God, in my opinion, um, that God is there and calling us out into the harvest, the Lord of the harvest, um, to send laborers into it, um, to do exactly what Christy does when she cares for her tomatoes, um, to clean and to prune and to fertilize and all that good stuff. Um, so I wanna throw a curveball. Here. Okay. Okay. Okay, there's a there's a line there that says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
today in the church, why do you think the laborers are few? <laughs> why don't you tell me? Because <laughs> you're about to get a really caustic line coming out of me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be oh, gentle. Boy. Okay. Uh, no. do, you, do you want me to take a turn first? Yes, please. Okay. Um, I'm going to say uh, that there is kind of a, a, a reason within the church and then a reason within people. Um, within the church, I think we're struggling to learn how to equip people for ministry. Yeah. Um, I think it's hard. Um, it's something that has changed over the decades of how to do that. Right. Um, I think there are many people who may want to get involved, but they don't know how. They may never even have been invited to participate in ministry, right? Mm -hmm. um, they may feel that I don't have the talents, or I'm too old, or I don't have whatever. Right. And so, so it's the church's job to say, nobody's born knowing how to do this. We're going to equip you. Mm -hmm. Within, and the personal reason I think that we have to be careful of is aside from the whole, I don't feel equipped and I don't know, is mm -hmm. why should I care? Ooh. You know, why should Fine. I care about other people? Mm -hmm. You know, that's somebody else's problem. I have my mm -hmm. own problems. Right. Um, and I'm not speaking about anybody in particular. I'm just saying that, if that that can be an attitude that we might find that says, well, I want to help people, but I've got my own issues as well. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. that kind of person who's different from me, I, I don't want to get involved with that person. Um, and we're, we're living in a society where we think and feel that we can be islands unto mm -hmm. ourselves more right. and more. Right. right. Um, and it's so isolating. And we have to convince people that the gospel is about taking that first step to go say, it's not just about me. Mm -hmm. It is about that other person and that I'm part of the harvest and so are they. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've had this experience, as have I, um, where we will be in a hospital to go see somebody that we know from church, mm -hmm. you know, whatever the case may be, and we get stopped multiple times on the way in and on the way out. Yeah. Father, can I have some prayers? Father, can you help me? Can you know? It's, um, and I know some hospital chaplains, and they are they are working very hard. They're uh, they're they're a harvest is plentiful. Um, and there is one chaplain per hospital. I mean, you know, uh, per shift, it's um, the, the need out there is great. And it's interesting to me that um, like I go to Sarasota Memorial Hospital here a lot. It's one of the finest hospitals in the year. I mean, it's it's an amazing place. Yes, it they is. do incredible, uh, incredible work. And so there are folks in there who want prayers, and they're getting top notch care but they are praying about something else. It's not just um, whatever it is, the condition that they're in there for, it's something else. And it's that also is the harvest of, they have cares and concerns and worries. And then for those listening um, that you've, you've had me pray at the hospital with you, you know that it's part of my pattern or tradition uh, that at the end of the prayer, to pray for everybody in the hospital who don't have faith who don't have friends or family who's coming to visit, you know, that, that we ask for the God of the harvest, the one who sees us as harassed and helpless to visit them, uh, to bring the comfort and, and peace and power of the Holy Spirit upon them too. Um, so right. it's, um, 
it's amazing. And so it happened today at the networking event that I go to every Tuesday, which I adore. It's great. Um, I was trying to leave. I had a particular appointment with a particular priest. You might know him. His name's Alexander. <laughs> and yep. I was late because I couldn't get to the door because there were people always one more thing, you know, and that, but that's the, that's what we're called to do. Um, so did, did I tell you the article about the importance of, um, of peripheral um, relationships of, you know, you don't know their name, but you smile at them, you know, when you're at the right. gym. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's hugely yeah. important in our society. Huge. Right. Yeah. Um, that you don't have to know somebody's name in order to make them feel special. And, um, and the people that you run into, the people you see all the time on the bus, right. Or, uh, all the time at the library, that person always seems, you know, whatever it is, mm -hmm. uh, there's an importance with saying hello, uh, with acknowledging them, with recognizing them. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it, it lifts our spirit and lifts their spirits. And that's also being laborers, I think, in God's harvest. And, and what I want to come back to is the idea of, you know, the labors are few. And, mm -hmm. and what I would say to that is, imagine if you had to pick a whole field of crops by yourself. Uh -huh. Right. But now imagine if you had 500 people to help you. Sure. You know, you, you know, it's one of my favorite, you know, English sayings, so to speak, that I learned when I was in the discernment process, because my sending priest is from, was from the church of England. He says, many hands make light work. Oh yeah. You know, and I, you know, I'd never heard that, but I knew what it meant, but I'd never heard it before in such a kind of cool way. And of course he's got the accent. So that, you know, that, that's, a, that's an authority unto itself. Um, but what I would say, though, is we're trying as the church to do a lot of heavy lifting without getting enough hands involved. Mm. And I think it's incumbent upon you and I as people who are called to equip people in ministry to really pay some time and attention to what does it mean to help people see how their hands are called to be part of the harvest. Yes. You asked me a question about um, why are there so mm -hmm. few laborers? Mm -hmm. And I was going to give you a really caustic line. Um, I figured out how to tone it down. So you're ready? All right. Uh, clericalism. We have come through a period of time yeah. when pastor, father, whoever it is, knows best. Right. Father knows and best. so nothing happens unless uh it, it comes through the whoever's sitting in the chair or the pastorate and um and i don't think that that is the model i'm choosing my words carefully here i don't think that's the model that jesus chose that when he lifted up these people and he sent them out it is more of a decentralized system and so uh, so those that you have in the choir those that sing and perform music they have a better idea than, and I hate to break it to you, Alex, than you and me about what works. Um, that it's a decentralized system that they can be the ones to help uh, lead and grow that type of, of worship. And that's just a very small part of, uh, of the church. But we are, uh, you and I are coming out of this period of clericalism where we are trying to do what Jesus is doing, and that is raising up others to go out and to serve and serve in the way that God has blessed them. So not taking them and having them doing something entirely different than what they've ever done, um, but to go and to help. Like uh, I, before we recorded, I told you a story about running into some quilters. Mm -hmm. um, the quilters 
Uh, one thing I should tell you about them is that they aren't quilting for themselves. They're quilting for others, uh, that they make uh, quilts and things for newborn babies. They, they make them for uh, first responders that go in to where children are in, uh, in need. And they give them not just a blanket anybody can buy at Walmart, but something that's been lovingly made for them and uh, that they hand them out. And so for them, the quilters, that this, the harvest for them is, they're not gonna be the ones that respond out to domestic uh, crises and stuff like that. They're, they're not trained, they're not going to go, uh, but they can do something that helps uh, comfort others. And that, that's a part of the harvest and that's a part of being the laborers that God is calling us to do. Um, and, and it goes back to why? Because Jesus has compassion on uh, those who are harassed and those who are helpless. So I want to bring this back kind of to the beginning as we're getting into the last part of the, the podcast episode, which mm -hmm. is what you talked about real quickly, you know, the sense of, of compassion, feeling it in your guts is what I call yeah. it. Yeah. And um, how the, even the ministry that you and I exercise is not about us. Right. It's about Jesus and it's about the people who are, who are there. And, and I think bring it back to that level of what we talked about last week, that the person who is despondent, who is ashamed, who feels broken, mm -hmm. they're part of the harvest. Oh, yeah. But here's the other part. They're future laborers. Oh, yes. You know, oh, that's yeah. the beauty of it, is that Jesus has this process of restoration and reconciliation that continues with empowering somebody to go back to where they were for those that got left behind. Mm -hmm. to continue to tell your story. And Jesus does this several times in Scripture. Go and tell people. Don't come yeah. with me. Go back and tell them what, what happened to you. Mm -hmm. And they need to hear it from that person, even though Jesus is standing right there. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's part of what I think the church's effort should be, is to help people recognize not just where they've gone astray, but what would the world look like if they walked the path Jesus had set for them and become a laborer in the vineyard? Mm-hmm. Because the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Yeah. Amen. So I want to thank you. Um, and I want to thank you. Uh, well, I want, I want to thank you because I, I kind of had an idea that you were going to go down that clericalism route. And, <laughs> um, and if not, I was going to mention it. Um, but I'm, but I'm very glad that um, we could kind of step back, even from our own roles, and realize um, just how important it is that everyone in the church contribute. Mm -hmm. And, and, I, and I'll, I want to uh, end with this one last thought, which is: if you go to the Book of Common Prayer, and it, you ask it, who are the ministers of the church? What's the first group that's labeled in the Catechism? Do you want me to look it up right now? Actually, Where are you going I'll, just, I'll, I'll just give it to you. All right. It says laypersons. Yes. Laypersons. Because yeah. there's a lot more of them than there are of clergy, rightly so. Mm -hmm. And so I guess to me, I guess what I want to say is that my resolution, my resolve is to help people live into that. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So the, the Book of Compare, the way it's structured, um, it, it tends to lend itself to say, uh, the highest calling is that of holy orders, to which I say, I don't think so. The highest calling is that of somebody who writes checks. That, And I'm sorry to bring it down to money, 
but the, the no no margin no ministry right that the the laborers the ones who are just doing the the small important work uh those who can give a little bit those who can give a tremendous amount um that has to be the highest calling um that holy orders makes us uh, the servants of the church, not for the church to serve us. And so the Book of Common Prayer listed lay people first, because that is the first and primary uh, order of business, is that it is about uh, the lay people who do the work, the lay people who are um, supporting and underwriting and guiding and leading and um, all of that thing, all of that with the church. And then um, the, the small number of us who have been set aside, uh, anointed, ordained, uh, lifted up to serve God in a very, very specific purpose. Uh, we too are loved. We too have been set aside. We too, it is a high calling. Um, but I, I, I get concerned when we say it's the highest. Well, I, um, I wouldn't, I'm not going to go ahead and say it's the highest. I think the highest calling is who Jesus labels as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. That's what I'll yes. leave it with that. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that is a great way to go. Um, yeah. I know some deacons who run um, homeless shelters, uh, uh, abused women shelters, that type of stuff. Some, some persons <laughs> as well. Yeah, well. that's the highest calling, right? That that's that way above presiding bishop, uh, archbishop of Canterbury, whatever. That that you know, right with the harassed and helpless. Uh, that's where God is. I mean, and so, and sorry, I'm. I'm feeling as if I'm stepping to the pulpit, so I'm going to pull back. <laughs> you were doing such a nice job at wrapping it up and, uh, and then and then i i messed that up so sorry about that that's okay it was uh it's good to spend this time with you and i'm looking forward to our next time and the next bridge that we're going to cross uh together i look forward to that bridge as well all right thank you well, for being my friend thank you for being my friend and thanks everyone for watching and listening god bless god bless